AviationPros.com is the portal website for AMT, airport business, and ground support worldwide magazines. Visit daily for breaking news, industry blogs, and insightful articles from our magazine's editorial team. And don't forget to sign up for our publication's daily e-newsletters. It's all at AviationPros.com. On this episode of the Aviation Pros Podcast, we're joined by Eric Richards, co-chair of O'Melveny's Corporate Department, along with Denise Radis and Elizabeth Dubeck, each a partner of project finance and development with O'Melveny, for a wide-ranging conversation on the current needs of airport infrastructure, how COVID-19 is changing the way airports are thought about, and what the industry can expect from the Biden administration. Enjoy. Thank you all again for taking the time to chat with me this afternoon. I think maybe the best way to kick off our conversation is if you can just give me kind of a an overview of the current state of uh, airport infrastructure. Uh, thanks, Walker. This is Eric. I'll take a stab at that one. And maybe I'll note for our audience that Denise, Liz, and I work together all the time. So we will probably uh, interact with each other and speak uh, together to, to um, uh, all of these questions. I would describe um, the current state in two ways. I, I think it's hard without talking any further to first note that we're in the midst of a pandemic. And I think that brings about uncertainty for this sector and many others, obviously. The other word I would use would be stressed. That would, would be the word that I would pick to describe the state of, of airport infrastructure prior to the onset of the pandemic. Um, the pandemic is, of course, has brought about the most challenging circumstances to commercial aviation and airports over what is a fairly sustained period that I think has occurred uh, in the history of the sector. Uh, there are questions about when we might return to uh, the, the, the level of air travel we had before, uh, what type of travel will come back, uh, when will it come back, and how different might it be um, with, with respect to the post-pandemic age uh, than the new age than, than, um, than, than existed before that. Uh, all sorts of things will impact that, government regulation, passenger demands, uh, user demands. Um, but if we rewind to before the pandemic, I, I think it's important to take note of what the state of the sector was before that time. And, and I say stressed, um, we had undergone uh, continuous rapid growth over many years based on infrastructure that was largely developed in the post-World War II years. Uh, there are only a couple new airports in the United States that have been developed uh, from the ground up since World War II, for example. Otherwise, the basic framework um, and foundations um, have been there for many, many years and we've been building upon them. A lot of facilities are outdated. Uh, there's been deferred investment. Um, so there were, and I believe will continue to be, tremendous needs for investment and further development of airport infrastructure when we get to the post-pandemic phase. Um, I think, importantly, uh, infrastructure that surrounds airports will also be um, a focus, uh, again, because airports don't exist in themselves and um, uh, were built uh, 
30, 40, 50 years ago in communities and in areas that uh, have now grown up around them. And, and what happens at those airports is going to necessarily be constrained or certainly impacted by um, the communities they surround. So I, I think all that may sound daunting, daunting, but I would point out that it's no different than I think the state of airport infrastructure at any time over the last 50 years. It's a constantly changing environment. And um, there's a need for airports to constantly be prepared to adapt as, as things change. Um, we've gone through a period of deregulation in the night, you know, prior to 1975 uh, in the airline industry, uh, changes over time to hub and spoke systems, to 9-11, of course, brought about significant changes in security. Um, airlines have used different aircraft types over time. You'll recall the uh, period of uh, regional jet traffic and then the A380, uh, all of these things when introduced into the airport infrastructure context have uh, required and brought about change. International alliances being one of the more recent things. Uh, so all these are changes that have occurred over time. It just so happens that uh, we're probably at a period with the pandemic that we're, we're seeing, um, as I said at the outset, um, maybe the greatest and most sustained uh, period of uh, uncertainty that will undoubtedly uh, mean more change to come. Walker, this is Denise. I mean, the bottom line, based on, as Eric has described, based on uh, the circumstances facing the airports during the COVID-19 period and after it, is the, there's going to need to be flexibility. They're going to have to have flexibility and focus on evolving in the short term to meet the demands um, that are presented by the pandemic. And that'll be uh, especially true of any near-term capital projects to meet the needs um, that, that Eric is describing, those two will have to reflect the uncertainty of our time and be very nimble and very flexible. And speaking of the pandemic, how would you say that has specifically changed the way airport infrastructure is being thought about? And kind of what long-term impacts is the pandemic going to have on these projects? Well, the pandemic will definitely change operational design at airports. For existing newer airports and um, in the design and plan for airports of the future, there'll be a continuing push toward airside space and terminals versus landside pre-check-in space. That push started due to the impacts of 9-11 on airport security requirements, and it created really real challenges for existing airports. Many airports at the time, even the newest airports, which uh, included Denver International back then, have been designed with a focus on pre-checking amenities, but 9-11 created a situation where travelers did not, or Walker really could not, go back and forth between the pre and post security areas of an airport. You can imagine as a result of uh, COVID-19, social distancing will require even more space in retail and hold rooms once passengers pass through security. So there'll be a continuing evolution, we predict, to touchless facilities on the land side, and for more space um, on the air side for folks to uh, linger in as they wait for their, their planes and prepare to travel. Yeah, I think, too, um, I would say beyond design and uh, space and operational issues, um, it's possible we'll see a shift in the overall funding framework uh, that, that has existed at airports and propelled the development of airports over many years. Historically, and this is a generalization, but but uh, not too overgeneralized, I think, uh, users have underwritten airports, users being uh, namely and specifically the commercial airlines, um, where they've taken residual responsibility for all of an airport's cost. Um, if you go back to the foundation of, of the current funding model, 
over time, uh, and I should say in exchange for that underwriting risk, they've uh, had a, a lot of control over the development. Over time, that model has changed. So um, there have been others who've entered the risk picture and taken on more risk, um, and airlines have, uh, in connection with that, given up some control. Um, query uh, after the, the the pandemic when we've seen um, and recognized the tremendous risk to um, um, users of airports, uh, whether there are other parties that might um, be able to step in and um, and, and help address the, the risk issues. Um, are, are airports themselves and airport investors going to be asked to take on more risk? Um, and uh, there, there are also private sector um, investors in airports. Um, that, that's a model that, that is more prevalent outside the United States, but privatization um, and private um, uh, participation in, in the equity ownership structure of airports is, has come in and, and is likely to grow in the United States. Uh, so you could see private sector owners uh, taking on those risks. It's unclear where this will go, but I, I think um, the, the pandemic is the type of event that might um, bring about even more significant changes in the funding models that we've seen that, again, have been deployed and evolved over a great number of years. And as you mentioned earlier, infrastructure has been a concern at airports for um, a long time before the pandemic. So outside of the pandemic and even looking past it, what are some of these challenges airports are facing? Well, the needs and opportunities and challenges vary widely depending on the size and location of a particular airport. With respect to smaller capacity or more remote airport ports, those airports have historically received an oversized amount of, of government funding, but they have fewer additional revenue streams. And due to the impacts of COVID, I know you asked us to look beyond that, but particularly due to COVID, uh, those airlines are now likely to find servicing these smaller airports more difficult and therefore less attractive. So when things pick back up in air traffic and things resume to you know normal, Airlines are likely to focus on their most profitable routes, and these smaller airports may suffer as a result. And yet, their existing facility maintenance costs will remain. So we predict that uh, there'll be stress on the ability of the smaller airports to finance projects going forward. And just generally, um, there'll be op operational stresses. In contrast, larger, more centralized airports receive less public funding proportionately, but have more diverse and better alternative revenue streams, including better access to that private funding that Eric was mentioning. Large airports are also not likely to have a long-term traffic challenges due to COVID. So as they return to normal, which with, for them will be normal traffic levels as well, we predict, they'll face ongoing capacity challenges. Um, Eric touched on this earlier, but many of these airports have extremely outdated facilities that are stressed to handle projected traffic demands and Walker are really just old and require updating generally. Uh, you, you might recall back in 2014 when we were working on the LaGuardia Central Terminal Project in New York, then Vice President Biden visited the airport and described it as a third world country. And um, he didn't get a lot of opposition in, the, in that observation. So changing that situation by updating these larger airports will be a continued challenge and a continued focus, um, but it costs billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars in some case to overhaul a major airport that has multiple terminals. So there, there the pressure will be um, funding sources, recovering the revenue streams, and perhaps expanding them 
and continuing to effectively tap into private investment. And speaking of now President Biden, he's released the or talked about the Build Back Better plan um, for infrastructure throughout the country. But the exact details of this haven't been released yet. But what can we or airports hope to see out of this plan? Thanks, Walker. This is Liz. And and you're right. We expect to hear more about the Build Back Better plan uh, in the coming weeks. And as you said, we don't yet know all the contours of what that will contain. We do, however, have a lot of indications based on the uh, infrastructure plans that Biden released during the campaign, as well as recent statements from um, himself and his staff. And there's reason for uh, optimism in terms of what's going to come from that plan, uh, helping out the airport infrastructure across the country in two different ways. One is, by all indications, this will be an ambitious plan. There's um, airport infrastructure and and transportation infrastructure generally um, is a key part of the, seems to be a key part of the plan, both in its own right to fix that, you know, third world type facilities that that, uh, Denise referenced, but also because it helps uh, other key goals of the plan, which include um, trying to have a carbon neutral economy by 2050 and improving our infrastructure in terms of uh, how green and clean it is. Um, certainly, there's room in, in the in the airport infrastructure space to assist there. Um, so there are really a number of reasons to think that uh, airport infrastructure will benefit from the plan since it fits in so well with the goals. Uh, and as I said, there are two ways that could happen. One is just more money. Um, airport improvement grants, the IP grants, are an important source of funding for airport infrastructure development. And just pumping more money into that system means more projects can get done. But perhaps more um, in a more exciting approach, um, there are indications that the Biden administration is willing to consider new funding approaches. And there have been references in some of Biden's campaign plans to a competitive grant model introducing this new uh, funding source that could potentially drive funds to kind of the most efficient and the most beneficial projects across the country. AIP grants are delivered um, or granted rather um, in in large part on a non-discretionary basis based on a formula. There are some discretionary funds as well, uh, but overall the AIP program doesn't necessarily target and and funnel money to the programs that will do the most to improve uh, air travel. So you mentioned the Build Back Better plans, um, emphasis on kind of carbon neutrality and the incorporation of more kind of environmentally friendly and green technology. How exactly is this going to change airport infrastructure? Well, that's a great question. And I think we're already seeing airports and their customers and stakeholders really focusing on clean technology and um, getting ahead of the really the interest in the country and and from their own customers in making sure that air travel um, is made more efficient. You've seen that from airlines, uh, including Delta making a pledge to be carbon neutral uh, through offsets and and improved clean technology. United using biofuel uh, increasingly um, out of LAX and uh, across their fleet. So um, you see airport users really finding finding ways to improve their technology and their industries. And you see that at airports as well, um, desires for you know, electric uh, ground support equipment. And this is a movement that's already going through this sector. And the introduction of um, that goal from the Biden administration um, will only help accelerate that tendency. Um, certainly, it needs to be done thoughtfully. Um, there can be a desire uh, from 
airport owners to move really quickly. Um, but there are costs associated with implementing new infrastructure, new equipment, new practices, uh, and those costs need to be imposed um, thoughtfully across the sector, across stakeholders, um, in a way that um, is not damaging to you know one particular sector or or player in this industry, um, at you know as opposed to others. It's helpful that, um, as I noted, really all players here have interests that are aligned. In Europe particularly, although it's likely to um, you know, expand elsewhere, travel shaming and um, real concerns by the public um, about the you know, potential environmental impacts of air travel. And so airlines need to be cognizant of that uh, and airports need to satisfy the airlines. Um, and so everybody needs to row in unison. And so there's a real opportunity here for collective movement to implement policies uh, and practices that are really beneficial, uh, but it will take a little time to get everybody on the same page and figure out the most efficient and fair way to impose those costs uh, over time and across stakeholders. You know, Walker, in, any new airport project or major airport improvement project is an opportunity for the United States to put forth the best we have to offer when it comes to green technology and other environmentally friendly friendly innovations. I mean, airports serve as iconic landmarks within all of our regions, as, as we're all aware. They're the first thing most visitors see when they enter the United States. Um, you know, as Liz described, there the facilities at airports, the operations at airports have already started to focus on environmentally, environmentally friendly innovations. Um, but with the support of the Biden administration, they should continue to do so and they should expand their efforts in that area because they really have an opportunity, a, a, a unique opportunity to serve as role models in this space. And with the exact plans of the Build Back Better plan still kind of uh, not yet laid out, what should airports be looking at right now in the immediate as far as infrastructure goes? What should they be thinking about? What action should they be taking? Okay, this is Liz. You do see some of these steps already, um, even prior to the onset of the Biden administration. Um, with the new buildings, there's a real emphasis on um, making those facilities as green as possible, requirements for LEED certification, um, requirements that airports are imposing and other airport users are implementing themselves for electric ground servicing transportation, as we've talked about, or grand service facilities and equipment. Um, so there are things that are already happening and that will certainly continue to happen. Um, as Denise said, for these iconic structures, there is a real focus on making sure that they are efficiently run and you'll continue to see, we expect, um, you know, increasing focus on all new building um, as well as renovations meeting you know stricter uh, environmental standards um, which again all the parties and stakeholders um, you know benefit from so i think there will certainly be more specificity to come with federal funding when the details of, of those requirements are set forth but there's already a lot being done in this sector and i think we'll continue to see that well eric denise liz Last question I have for you is just looking towards the future here. What do we think airport infrastructure is looking like in the years ahead? That, that's a that's a big question, Walker. And you know, a theme of our conversation has been that airports in the commercial aviation sector have been and are subject to constant change. And with respect to airport infrastructure in particular, it's been able to adapt. Sometimes falling behind a needed 
uh, deferred maintenance, sometimes needed um, bold investment. But by and large, the airport infrastructure has been able to adapt over time to accommodate um, our current needs. Um, what's interesting, though, about the sector is that uh, I think that we're in store for probably more rapid change and even more profound change. Um, you know, technology in uh, commercial aviation has been pretty constant since the invention of the jet engine, what, uh, 60, 70 or so years ago. And um, at, at some point, there will be dramatic changes in the way uh, we transport ourselves. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that we'll be uh, transporting ourselves telepathically anytime soon, uh, but, but even in other areas, uh, you, you already see uh, investments that um, various stakeholders are making that are going to have dramatic impacts on, on the sector. Uh, United Airlines announced investment last month, for example, in Archery Aviation, a billion-dollar order for air taxis. Uh, JetBlue has made similar investments in, in, in other technology companies. Uh, we do a lot of work on the high-speed rail space. Uh, which will be um, uh, an, an alternative to um, um, uh, fast and efficient transportation uh, from point to point. Um, and we also do work in the autonomous vehicle space. How will all of these industries, which are rapidly developing, impact airports? Uh, where will the air taxis go, for example? Uh, what types of changes in infrastructure at airports will be needed to accommodate that? So I think there's a lot of rapid change ahead, and the theme of airports uh, needing to be ready and in a constant mode of adaptation is, is only going to continue and intensify. Uh, we're excited about it um, in, uh, in, in all of our careers, which, which span a number of years. We've seen that and uh, we look forward to being part of it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Aviation Pros Podcast. Be sure to visit aviationpros.com for more stories, breaking news, and expert insight from all around the aviation industry.